So, um, weird thing happened to me today. Um, and very strange, oversexualized uh, woman in a cat outfit broke into my house today. Played by Halle and, Berry. Uh, uh, pretty much ripped out all the makeup in my uh, in my mom's uh, cabinet. So that happened. Oh, that's sweet of her. Anyway, we're going to watch the movie podcast, everybody. <laughs> um, oh, God in heaven almighty. We picked a really bad one, guys. The wheel was not to any of us. I, I was really shocked by this one. There was... um. There were moments in this movie that shocked me. <laughs> As they should. Uh, <laughs> On so many uh, levels. I, I, the first six and a half minutes I messaged you guys, I'm like, I don't want to turn this off. Like, it's unwatchable. This is, the most, this is probably the most unwatchable film we've ever done. Um... You, this was I, I see remember a movie called Plan 9 from Outer Space you were not very fond of? No. Listen, Plan 9 was much better than this. Wow. This movie sucked. You didn't think there were any merits to this movie at all? None. Wow. Um, I, I've never seen this. Uh, I've always... Never I've never really cared to see it. I knew right away I was like, oh, this looks bad. And um, it didn't even look like it was set in Gotham. So I was like, eh, who cares? And it just sort of came and went for me, people talking how bad it was. And I was sitting there watching it. And I, two scenes in, I was like, oh, oh my. Like, first of all, <laughs> the credit sequence takes forever. It's like every ever. single credit uh, it's just it takes forever, and it's all like this cat, like history stuff, it, stuff that they show us and tell us later when we pretty much get the picture in this opening. It's crazy. Right. All, all these same pictures they show up again for about like five minutes in an exposition scene. It it just takes forever to go through, and then right off the bat, right off the bat, you see, um, directed by Petoff. I was like, oh, no. Who is Pitoff? Uh, Pitoff is just a... He is a Russian filmmaker who made an uh, interesting film before this a few years ago, and this was his Hollywood break. Um, Halle Berry had seen it. The producers had seen it. They thought that he was... Um, it would be a good idea. I have never seen it, never heard of it. Could be good. Um, it looks low budget, and it seems like he did a lot with the camera considering it. Um, but... Uh, I don't know what happened here, and he has not directed a movie again since. Oh, God. Future. I hate it when it happened. So, yeah. Um, uh, it's, it, w when I was watching it, what really, the two things that shocked me the most in terms of direction were the camera angles and the editing. And I was watching this just dazed. First of all, some editing decisions are, are just crazy. But then there's like camera angles like during the basketball game and her jumping off a wall that just don't make any sense. Um, but 
probably the thing that I noticed the most when I was watching those two things together, the, the camera movements and the editing is I was like, oh, oh, they thought this guy could could make a Sam Raimi superhero movie. Yeah, I, I, I noticed that. <laughs> I, I was right away. I was like, oh, they thought this guy was going to be their Sam Raimi. Like the way this camera is moving, it's it's just so Spider-Man. But Spider-Man is so fluid. It just has like a purity to it. And that's always been his film. Sam Raimi's films like he moves his camera as it's perfect. And then also his editing is perfect. This is the exact opposite. It's just those two things, but not used properly at all. I, the, the one moment that shocked me the most that knew I was in, when I knew I was in for something crazy, this isn't even going into the script, but I, it, it was when the cat first came to her window and she was painting the cat meowed and she looked at the cat. I just explained that in one sentence. That scene takes 15 cuts. I counted. That one scene of the cat <laughs> jumping to her window, meowing, and her looking at it as she paints. 15 cuts. <laughs> 15 cuts. How did you do that? It took less for Liam Neeson to jump over a fence. But like, two cuts. Come on. I, I'm just, I, I, I'm telling you. Like, because that thing has speed to it it has a reason it has actually a, a momentum to it he has to get over the fence it's an action scene it has to be a little bit fast the cuts are fast and it's crazy but it still happens within a span of probably about uh five like five seconds or so right. um they take this scene and it takes maybe about 15 seconds to happen and it's like a cut a second it's it, it's it's a slow scene there's no pace to it other than the reality of life, just time, just it just has to be natural. There's no nobody's running. No one has to be anywhere. The cat's just saying hi to her. Uh, but nonetheless, 15 cuts. So before we get into the movie, let's talk about some news, shall we? Yeah, Boy, howdy. Uh, that's just the start. OK, um, news. What do we got? I know what I want to talk about. The Star Wars? I know, but what do you want to talk about first? I'm being humble. Um, I think we should just get Game of Thrones out of the way. Uh, because we're not really going to uh-huh. say much uh, much of anything different than people have already said. I have a couple like mm-hmm. positive things I want to say about it, but that's pretty much it. But yeah, the, the, rea- the reaction to that last episode as a finale to a show... Um, was it was bad like people did not like it and if you look at interviews with the cast they're not happy with it either and watching the episode itself there are some great shots it looks beautiful there are some good performances in there it's probably the best peter dinklage episode in a long time despite the fact that all he's doing is sort of like apologizing for what's happened this season through the writers oddly enough it's very obvious and at the end of the day, it's sort of like the episode moves as if you're reading the episode plot on Wikipedia. This happens, this happens, this happens. There you go. Um, and at the end of the day, I feel bad for people who do enjoy it. I, I feel bad for everyone who is just trying to talk about their 
their favorite show with people because they could before. Everyone was excited about it. Everyone was. And now half of your group that you were talking to has an entirely different opinion as you. And some of them are rabid and thinking up petitions and trying to rewrite the thing. And at the end of the day, it's I, I think, and the reason I bring this up, Chris, it's important is because they are going to be doing Star Wars movies. That yep. they uh, at least a movie. In terms of they're doing how, a trilogy, actually. Okay, so I didn't know for sure. Um, in terms of how they adapted the books, Chris, they were very, very, very good at it. They were amazing writers at it. And in terms of them telling a show um, that has a momentum, has an end to it. If they had just started this show on their own terms, that ending would have been fine because the whole show would have been at that pace. So I'm not sitting here telling you you should be worried necessarily about... I was going to ask, too. <laughs> uh, I, I just think it's something to get out of the way because uh, they're going through with it. It's going to happen, and it's going to hit their ego, and it's going to hit these fans. Like Star Wars fans are way more rabid than Game of Thrones fans. So oh, I, boy. I think they're good at visual storytelling. They were before they started Game of Thrones. It's just they also happen to be really good at adapting their favorite books ever. Once those books were gone, they couldn't do that, and they went back to what they do best without them, and people didn't like that because, in all honesty, it was a different pace for the show. So if they'd added two more seasons, people would have acclimated better, and they would have accepted it, I think. It would have been just like changing a showrunner. If you care about those characters, you still would have followed through. Um, I think they can make good Star Wars movies because I don't think Star Wars necessarily like gigs into its lore the way that Game of Thrones does. And they never have. They move at a pace of entertainment and sometimes drama. Those guys can do both of those very well. So I, I am excited to see what they can do after years of like really crafting a good show. So I think they're good at what they do. I just don't, I don't know what happened here. They obviously gave up. They obviously said they didn't want to do it anymore. I don't know why. I'm not going to presume. But that is just so crazy to me when all, the stakes were so high. And maybe that was the point. Maybe they couldn't take the pressure um, after seven years. Going into Star Wars for one or two years and then seeing the result and deciding whether you want to continue is one thing. But they've been doing this for eight years. And it was a big deal for them to go. Don't know why. Martin didn't know why. None of us knew why. And it sucks. It, it really sucks. Because um, after watching it and looking at it again in a lot of ways, I really did appreciate some things about the, the season. Uh, there's some technical achievements. There's some great acting. I think uh, I am a bit excited for the prequel show that they're going to pull out. Um, I'm into the world. I am. And I want to go back. And I think anybody who wants to thinks they would like this show should watch it. And anyone who likes good storytelling should watch this show too. I think it's worth it. I, I don't, I think people are too butthurt and are walking around saying that it's not. And I, I disagree. Well, and you know, what's weird, Alex, and I know that we can't really compare this, but this is from my personal experience seeing as how this is like, the second time I've watched a major show, I'm going to emphasize a major pri primetime show end that had a very decisive, very torn ending. I was a fan of Lost back in the early 2000s, and I watched that ending and that season, and a lot of people kind of have agreed, 
that that ending was not what people expected or wanted, but they've come to terms with it now. And I think that's going to kind of eventually happen with Game of Thrones, where people are going to start to find out the story of what happened with this season, why the showrunners did what they did. They're going to start talking about it as now that they've moved away and they've done other things and they're going to do other things. And eventually they'll go back to it and say, you know what, guys? Yeah, we dropped the ball. We weren't really into it. We wanted to end it. We're sorry. That's that. And people will see that and they'll be like, you know what? It is hard to make a show. It is fucking terrible. And we feel bad for you guys. Uh, you drop the ball. Said. Okay. Um, and that's just the unfortunate happenstance. And I think people will go back to the show in five to ten years somehow and they'll they'll watch it and they'll realize that what what really was great about the show was the acting in the early half of this the early half of the show and uh, it's for, gonna be yeah it's gonna be interesting to see what binging does for the show um and even the some of the back half of the stuff like season six is great it builds to a perfect perfect uh, season ender uh it's one of the best seasons period uh there are good parts of season seven and season eight uh, despite all the issues. And I think, like, a vast majority of people are going to take those last, you know, 12, 13 episodes as being very medium overall, and maybe even less than medium. But I think that, like, despite all the issues people had, once we read Martin's books and we do see all that exposition and we see all that and people realize that a lot of these twists were intended the whole time despite them being rushed, I think that people are going to come to terms with the fact that Game of Thrones did what it could at the time, despite the writers being sick of the show. Yeah. Um, uh, I I feel like it's very interesting in those first four years that I am I didn't say the first five years, honestly. Um, fifth season's based on the fifth I, book, yes. Yeah, I also, they also, that's when they start to deviate. Like, that's the yeah. thing. They they make decisions to help them go further past the books, and that's the season that it starts. That's when you can see the signs in the actual like cracks of the building. Um, but uh, I I just think uh, I think I took this show for granted for at least four seasons. I think some other people did too, which sucks. Um, I do agree that season six earns its turning of the tide earns the battle of the bastards i think it earns the heroes winning and the end of that season earns the everyone coming back to winterfell but uh the quality overall after that point is heartbreaking because eight season eight is a it's a train wreck of of game of thrones terms uh not like it's not unwatchable like what we watched tonight it's just not <laughs> game of thrones so much so that it would be like it would be like vertigo it would be like you you were dating someone for two years and then they died and then a year later you met somebody and they were sort of changing you but then all of a sudden you started asking them to dress like your ex and start talking like them and acting like them and it's just not the same it's just yeah it's weird like you everyone's weirded out and it sucks because 
they made this decision a long time ago. And as the train was slowly derailing, everyone was looking at those two being like, hey, we could use more time. And they're like, no, we just don't want it. And it sucks. There, there's, a, there's a thing that Screen Rant does called pitch meetings. And they have one for Game of Thrones season eight. It's probably the best distillation of what happened uh, from an outsider's perspective. It's, it's completely on the nose. I, I, it's also really funny. So I, I, I'm sad it's over. I'm sad it bombed, mostly because I'm sad that everybody else was sad. People deserved better. And again, like I said, we'll see what happens with the show in five to ten years. Um, you know, Lost it, it now now is starting to kind of earn its way back into the limelight, especially its last season, despite how decisive it is. Um, again, and, I, I think binging helps Lost a lot, and I don't know what that's going to do for Game of Thrones. But also, I think that um, I think uh, that Lost earns its ending. Because it was always a character-based show, and so the yeah. entire last season is about giving all their characters happy endings. It's nothing but that, and then they sort of put the mythology on the side for fun and entertaining adventure stuff. But it just not—it was never what they cared about, and that's a fine thing. That was a deliberate choice that actually I think makes just as much sense as it doesn't. Because it, to make a show that is as tight as mythology as it is in character means they'd have to find a Game of Thrones. They would have had to find a book called Lost and that series they would have had to follow because in a book you can like expand those things. In a show you have to choose at some point and instead of making it about the plot like Game of Thrones did, Lost decided we're going to dedicate an entire season to all of our characters going to heaven throughout the season and getting everything they want and then we're also going to show how they all died. There you go. And it's just, it's very plain and simple. If you watch the show in a binge nature, it's perfect because of how those episodes end game of thrones it's going to be interesting to see what happens in a binge nature because halfway through the show the plot takes over and the pace goes crazy and maybe by that time you are not only invested but you're happy that it's going at that pace maybe it's the other way around but i could see some people being like by season four really invested and then things start to go crazy and they get happy with it um and they're like oh good good i can i can move on to the next show now it's hard to say but I think Lost did one thing. It, it, show, it had its Sophie's choice. It had to choose like plot and world building over character uh, arcs. And they chose character arcs. And I think at the end of the day, that pays off better. That was the better decision. Maybe not in the moment, but as time goes by and you binge that show, those mysteries go by fast and you don't care anymore. You're like, oh, polar bear? Crazy. Next episode, what? Spider? Cool. Huh? D Dharma? Who cares? The next thing you know, you really care about the people, but because they've gone through so much stuff, so much stuff, you can't even list it. And it works out in the end. Game of Thrones is different. They, they, they sacrificed character development. They sacrificed character uh, earnestness and honesty. Like Tyrion is, is smarter than letting people hide in a crypt of dead people when they're fighting an army of the dead that raises your, arm, that raises your dead soldiers in the middle of it. They know they can raise the dead in the middle of a battle. Why are you putting women and children in a crypt surrounded by dead people? And it's Tyrion's idea. And even he, the actor, was like, I thought he was smart, but no. And the reason is it's more dramatic that way. They sacrificed character for drama. And 
at the end of the day, I think that was the worst decision. And honestly, I don't know how well that's going to age. Probably not as well as Lost did. True. Anyway, I'm not. I, I'm. I feel bad for fans, and I'm trying to defend the aspects of the show that don't have to do with writing so much, and even some aspects of the writing that I think work. But um, yeah, it wasn't good, and everyone's talking about it, and it sucked. Uh, I wish it was. I wish we could have gone from Endgame to an exciting Game of Thrones ending. It would have been nice to have two big pop culture things that were getting people talking for a long time. But maybe that'll be Star Wars. Maybe that'll be Godzilla. Godzilla looks great. A lot of people say a lot of great great. things. Can't wait. Yeah, totally. I also love how Millie Bobby Brown is basically the one who names all the kaiju. Uh, It's better than getting an email folder sent to Wonder Woman about them. Yeah, like... Like the new the new trailer literally has her, Thank you. The, the new trailer literally has Millie Bobby Brown just like flashing it it like flashes between um the emergence of each of the of the kaiju and she, she just names them like she's like Ghidorah and then you just see Ghidorah come out and do shit and then she's like Rodan and then you know Rodan pops out of the volcano and then she's like Mothra and Mothra does Mothra I've shit. From, I, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. I, I've stayed away from a lot of marketing. Um, so I've only seen like a couple of trailers. So yep. that stuff is new to me. But, so what you're saying is in the trailer, when they come up, she just says their names. Yeah. So you're not saying that she comes up with them, but she just says them in the trailer. Yes, but we assume that... Because- I mean, you do. No, the reason, but the reason why I know that she comes up with them is that I, I've been following the marketing a lot, and that um, the company that's overseeing a lot of that, I forgot what it's called from uh, Kong Skull Island, uh, uh, Monarch has like these very scientific names for them, like like um, Creature X or something. I think is what they call like uh, Ghidorah. Um, they have like a scientific name for Rodan, like like Gigantitus pterodactus or something something stupid i don't know interesting um and basically and basically millie bobby brown's character i assume being you know the innocent kid in the storyline basically probably comes up with much more simplistic less scientific names for these things which is like Ghidorah, rodan mothra godzilla she she literally she literally like gives the names to the characters um i guess you gotta show me a character that would think of those names and i would believe it but yeah i don't th- i don't know any situation where a girl her age would be in this and be like that scientific name is stupid king Ghidorah. like you gotta have a reason for it like if someone just said yeah. that in front of me i'd be like the hell is that i mean i i I guess it. I, I guess like when if you see a giant moth, you're like, oh, that's a monstrous moth. Yeah. It's Mothra. Mothra makes, Mothra makes sense. I agree. Um, yeah. Rodan, even to a certain degree, maybe she. I don't know. She has a like Rodan could be a pet of hers or a bird she saw. I don't know. But it just seems weird. Like these movies don't really have the best characters. So yeah. what, what kind of character would think of those names? Earnestly, and I well, also and, think... that, and that's I think half of the story of King of King of 
King of Monsters is following middle of Bobby Brown's character and then also following Godzilla just killing three monsters. You know what I mean? We'll see. I'm guessing. I, I, I hope this has better characters than the last two. I like those last two, but I hope it has better characters. Yeah, and a lot of people are saying this This one's the Dark Knight of the trilogy. That's what a lot of the pre-reviews have said. Is that this is the best trilogy. of the three. Universe. Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's another one coming. They've already yes. shot it. Yep. Um, a lot of people are saying this is the best the best one so far, though. No, I'm excited at the very fact that we can see oh. these monsters. I'm very happy about. They're like putting them front and center of the marketing right off the bat, and that's what I noticed, and that's why I stopped because I was like, oh, they don't. They look really good, and they must look good in the movie, and they must be there a lot because they are not afraid to show them. Yeah, I'm very excited to see, you know, all this, because going into this, obviously, people were very worried about it, but this, there's some really cool stuff that we're seeing here. Like, there's a couple images I've seen of, like, the Godzilla versus Ghidorah fight, and it looks just awesome. <laughs> Yeah, it's not oh, like cool. Sonic. They need to wait another three months. Yeah, uh, and the poster just looks. Some of the posters just look incredibly gorgeous. Too bad we don't work in a movie theater no more. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. we're all ex-employees. All I all I okay. know is that there's some cool stuff going on. When you guys get the chance to go see Godzilla King of the Monsters, it's going to be pretty sick. This is not a paid advertisement by our Disney overlords, except it absolutely no. is. <laughs> it, it's the movie. <laughs> He's laughing because he knows we're we're owned by Disney overlords. <laughs> oh, trust me. I saw for a long time ago. Disney, Disney was like, would be, yeah. Hey, you, um, it's easy to find stuff that ain't Disney, guys. You just got to yeah. go look for it. <laughs> that um, moment when he realizes a lot of it's owned by Disney, though. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, what else? And just before we talk What? Okay. I, I was quoting Die Hard. Oh. Oh, okay. Um, guys. I really, really freak Star Wars again. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, no. Considering how, like, yeah, you love Star Wars. It's a, uh, it's a thing that you like. Yep. I was like in full Endgame yep. mode for like the longest time when before that trailer came out, and that trailer came out. I'm like, okay, this is really awesome. I'm gonna watch this a hundred more times, but I am in Endgame mode because it was a, like 13 days before Endgame came out. So I'm like, okay, I gotta be focused. And then, so we're past um, Endgame, and this uh, Vanity Fair released the first preview of the Rise of Skywalker, and I read the whole thing, looked at all the photos. Um, I, I am like. Super duper ultra excited. Like, uh, what did JJ Abrams or anybody say that got you excited? Well, I'll here's something that got my attention that JJ said. What JJ said, 
in terms of not in terms of seven, he said I was making what I thought a Star Wars movie should be. I, w- I was I was taking more of I'll do this because if I'll I'll do because it's what will um fit with because it makes sense in terms of Star Wars. Apparently, he was very emboldened. He felt very emboldened after Last Jedi, and he says he's going to take he's going to make a. F- more, he said he made more decisions for himself in nine instead of for Star Wars. Like he made a like he's following the Ryan Johnson path here. So I thought that was very interesting. Good, uh, more directors can do that. that. Yeah, I hope he's taking I more liberties is... for himself. Yeah, I hope I hope that is the case. Where like instead of looking at that situation and being like, well, what the hell am I going to do now? Like a lot of people were quoting him, but maybe he could have said it in like, he could have said it in like, oh, well, what the hell am I going to do now? Like, that was crazy. But I, for him to walk away from it and say that is pretty cool. I hope he means it. I hope during the situation he was like, you know what? I'm going to make this for me because Star Wars fans were kind of rude about a movie that was really good and I liked. And um, I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of want to do what I want to do. I'm going to do it regardless. Uh, honestly, I don't know what that means since J.J. Abrams has always played it safe. So I don't necessarily right. like oh, the biggest thing that he has ever done that has surprised fans uh, outside of, I'd say, to conceptually lost is cut Felicity's hair short. So I, I don't really uh, he's always either nailed it or never been too far away from nailing it that he would scare anybody. If this is the first movie where we walk away and we're like, J.J. Abrams took chances or had the attitude of somebody who thought he was taking chances earnestly, um, I would be impressed. If I walked away from there and I'm like, well, it was a J.J. Abrams movie and he still played it safe, but he had a, there, there was something there. I feel like he was trying. Uh, I, maybe I'll walk away thinking that, but I don't know if I'm going to walk away thinking that I'm going to see one of the most different J.J. Abrams films ever. This is his opportunity to do it, but I would be... I'd be hard pressed to think that he would. Here's the question, then, though, and this is okay. an honest, an an earnest thing. Let's assume you know the functionally impossible happens, okay? Okay. And that JJ really plays this unsafe in the vein that Ryan Johnson does, okay? Okay. And the Star Wars community implodes, and by implodes, I mean they hate it, just like they did Ryan Johnson. <laughs> What do you think will happen to the franchise if that's what happens? Dad. Well, this would be my most, uh, this is what I would hope would be the case. If that's the case and it pisses off fans, then that means that maybe he really did make something daring that was good, that people didn't understand, especially the fans. If Disney sees that, if critics see that, if there is a strong enough group of people who do see that and can make a convincing argument for it, then Disney can back that up. And over time, it would, it would be the best decision. It would, they would be on the right side of history. A really interesting example would have been in Return of the Jedi. They, were, they really wanted David Lynch, my favorite director, who's not really up your alley, Chris. But if <laughs> David Lynch made a Star Wars movie, uh, I would love it. But um, it would not be a Star Wars movie. It just, it wouldn't work. It would be bold and interesting, and it would probably be great in a lot of ways. Um, But it wouldn't be a Star Wars movie. And I think that was the right choice on their part. 
I think J.J. Abrams might hit that middle point where he could make something like Last Jedi that I think is going to age very well um, and, and carry that torch and do the same thing. If, if it pisses off the fans of now, who cares? Because the, the fans of now are not who they want. They want the kids of now. They want the people who want change. They want people who are young that are going to be buying and watching these movies and shows and buying these products from Disney years from now. Like when you get older, you don't really care about this much stuff. And if you do, I mean, something toxic is going on if you're getting that upset about it. At the end of the day, you just have to be able to say I'm yelling at a cloud and I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, I, right. I think if he makes something that pisses off fans, there's a good chance it would be good. And there's a good chance the time would be on his side. And I think Disney is coming to, to realize that the bolder they let their directors go and really, and this has been kind of their mentality last I would want to say like three years now, ever since they kind of let Taika Waititi get his, his, his hands into the MCU and even a little bit before that, they, they've let in, they've allowed directors to go very bold with some of their decisions. Who would have thought the third Thor movie would have been just as dark as it is funny? Um, you could also make the argument that it was just as safe of a pick as getting the people who the team that made uh, Captain America uh, by getting them and never having them make an action film before they could take over the action scenes and convince them of that, making them feel more comfortable making the rest. Um, with Taika Waititi, when it came to Thor, they were like, we've made two earnest Shakespearean epics in space with a little bit of comedy. And we amped the comedy and the second time around, and it's still not working. So I think we should just make a straight-out comedy. And yeah. honestly, there's a lot of things about that movie that don't... There's a lot of dramatic things about that movie that don't really carry on and don't really affect Thor the way you think that his whole planet blows up like he loses his hammer like there he loses an eye like there are things that just sort of happen without him responding and people are cracking jokes and that's sort of a safe way to get out of good dramatic um storytelling in a way the way that they did approach it in the other movies but but even even not even necessarily looking at that i mean i'm looking like their decision to go with ryan johnson to do star wars even to that extent, you know, that I wouldn't say that in a normal sense, picking Ryan Johnson to direct Star Wars is something that anyone would immediately think. Ryan Johnson's the guy who's best known for Looper at this point. Well, you know, the Looper and Brick and the Brothers Bloom, and he had proved in all three of those movies, as well as the best episodes of Breaking Bad one of the greatest television shows ever. He shot the best episodes, the fly Ozymandias. Like he made the, like he, he's laid his mark and he is good. Like he was good. It's not like they were taking a chance on an up and coming director. Like he made his stamp and he proved that he could tell a story with a camera and characters very well. I mean, but is that, is that any different from the Russo brothers with, um, arrested or not arrested development, uh, community? though no it's not the same because they've made television this guy had actually made movies and and television but mostly he came from movies he had made three movies before he made two movies before he made breaking bad and in the middle of breaking bad he made a third one so he, he came to it on his own terms of telling a cinematic story a to b to z like that's that's how he worked the russos on the other hand 
were great for two things. Their uh, ingenuity and storytelling, and then also getting everyone in the room uh, a moment. And they would have shows where the room was filled with top-notch people, handfuls of amazing talent, and everyone got their moment. Arrested Development is amazing for the sheer fact that everyone is funny all the time because these guys knew how to wrangle them all in, both in the editing room and on the floor. So they had their strengths. They just had their strengths in a certain field. Ryan Johnson was a genuinely good director. His yes. are what shocked him and shocked up fans. I'm just talking about his ability as a director and as a storyteller. They knew they were going to get something good. We know we're going to get something good and entertaining with J.J. Abrams. But are we going to get something uh, different? I don't know. And to be honest, I don't necessarily have an idea of where it's going to go yet. That's an interesting statement for him to come out and say that. He's either... I, you know, it, he's either it's weird Ryan because I... I, or he actually I kind of really want him, really, really, really want him to just pull a Lost. You know, I remember when Lost first came out, and people were like, J.J. Abrams has never made a show like Lost, ever. And that first episode, which is, you know, a two-hour episode, was above and beyond some of the best television I've ever seen. And I want... Pilots ever made, yeah. It is. It really... Chris, I, I'm not even kidding you. You should just... If you watch anything of Lost, just watch the pilot episode. The first two hours of Dude, the pilot episode. I watched the entire first season. Even like, better. Years I mean, ago. I Even better. I mean, it's it's two of the best hours of television ever made. I mean... Anyway. Really, the point is, is, is if J.J. Abrams is more in line with the Lost pilot and less in line with like what he has been doing, I would be shocked and happy. Let's go with that. Uh, yeah. Uh, I I hope he means it. What what else? Did, what else was said in the? Um, article? hang on. Let me give you the exact quote. I just found it. Um, they refer to the episodes as as the as their numbered. Selves. So, like, nine is Rise of Skywalker and seven is Force Awakens and so on and so on. So, the, the article goes into how, like, somebody, they quoted somebody of, like, how um, how the themes of this trilogy are trying to fit what's going on today and kind of how this trilogy is trying to fit into what's going on um, in this modern world. Kind of how the first original trilogy kind of fit into the culture of the um of that time and how it changed and how um and what and like kind of different so when he was talking about sorry go ahead alex no 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 i it it was, you said there that it, in the first movie it was taking a stance on something and it's trying to it's taking a stance on this new one the way it did in the first film and I was like it was a reflection of its time how was it a reflection of its time and then I'm like well yeah I mean, you have a, a female lead and a black uh, co-star as well so I mean actually yeah diversity was a big thing for that for that movie and it was received positively by me and a lot of people so no yeah I I, I, I guess I'm wondering if he means Trump or something like that, whatever. I would so, point. it's the biggest possibility here. I mean, what else could it be? So they were kind of like, it was kind of talking about how, like, there was, like, a sense of 
black and white. It wasn't as much as it wasn't as gray as it is today. And, and like the and they were kind of talking about how they want this trilogy to be more reflective of like that weird gray. How it's not also black and white anymore in terms of morality. Um, and that's how they um, came to this quote um, from JJ about how he was taking liberties. Um, this is JJ, quote, Working on 9, I found myself approaching it slightly differently, which is to say that on 7, I felt beholden to Star Wars in a way that was interesting. I was doing what, to the best of my ability, I felt Star Wars should be. Uh, um, I, in terms of 9, he says, quote, It felt slightly more renegade. It felt slightly more like, you know, effort. I'm going to do the thing that feels right because it does, not because it adheres to something. That's, that's those are his words. So take that for what you will. Um, Sounds earnest. Yeah. Um, another thing that got me excited was they pretty much confirmed in this article that. It would be the that the stakes were raised that it would be the final showdown between the Jedi and the Sith. That got me excited because, like, when that final clash happens, I want I was already shoot just knocking my mic stand. Whoa, goodness gracious! Stuff just falling you apart over here. Excited. There we go. Yes, when Ray and Kylo Ren are about to swear it down for the fi- very last time, I want stuff to go. Like, <laughs> I'm t- like how like Starkiller base was tearing itself, like being destroyed. Like, it. Oh man, I just, I could just imagine it in my head just how biblically epic that final showdown will be because we're talking about the two leading parties of the force for like the last out like few thousand years or so. Oh man. That got me excited. Just the imagery. Chris, Chris, ah. Chris. Zach, shut. No, um, no, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do this. I'm sorry. I gotta do this. Oh no, he's gonna make fun of me. I'm not gonna make fun. Of but I think you need to lower your expectations just a tiny bit, my guy. I mean, he's a super. No, 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 Zach. This is different. I didn't want. Okay, Alex, you would know better than anybody. Did I walk into Last Jedi with these with this level of hype or this level of expectation? Yes. Because if I did, I'll stop. No, Zach, you don't know. Alex, did I? You are very excited right now, and we aren't even close to this movie. Um, uh, <laughs> and uh, I don't remember when that happened with the last movie. Um, all I know is. What happened was, I, I, our conversation, and I mean, I'm sure you talked with other people too, but a big chunk of the three-hour conversations we would have about this stuff and breaking down things was to, like, get you excited for something. And it really helped that I was excited for who was making it. So it, it amped it up a lot. And to be honest, I don't think there is... I don't, I don't think that being excited for something and having expectations are the same thing. 
I think they can like coalesce and one can harm the other. Sure. But like you are, you are a super fan. It's the thing you love. There's always going to be things that you love about this, regardless of what the new one is. And no, I don't think they're going to game of Thrones this, uh, uh, with you. I think that you're going to walk away from this happy. And a lot of that has to do with you just talking it out. You just getting your ideas out and someone bouncing them off with you. And my favorite thing to do when I talk with Star Wars with you is I'm talking to a super fan. And I, I, am, I empathize with that. I love that. I have no one in my life to talk about a lot of my favorite things. I just don't. I have to go out on the internet and that's cool. That's amazing. That's great. But like to be on the phone and like have recordings of us like talk about that stuff and break it down is great. And I think having somebody empathize with your super fandom and understanding the difference between when you have high expectations and when you're just excited for the thing that you love, that there's a difference. I think right now you're excited and I, you can have expectations. Sure. I think you have very high expectations, but it's also very early in the marketing. The closer we get, the more you're going to get to your theories. The closer we get, the more people are going to be talking about it. And your mind is going to be shifting and evolving over time. But you're always going to be this excited. Period. Yeah. Um, what else is this article going to? So what? it's the article is pretty much a preview for The Rise of Skywalker, other than the fact that um, there was a line. It, it like. There's a lot of speculation that the guy goes into that he does acknowledge a lot of like, uh, um, acknowledge like there was a lot of uh, of theories that he found that he just throws out there for people to discuss about. Um, there was a paragraph where, like, apparently, JJ and um, Adam Driver figured out um, Kylo Ren's endgame. Um, the very beginning, so that's kind of re- that's that that actually kind of surprised me that there's any part of that was planned. <laughs> um, um, but like, you you broke good. up a little, you broke up a little bit, um. So I want to get understand what you just said. So you're saying that J.J. Abrams and and Adam Driver got together to work on the ending together, and what else? So. Apparently they had the end game for Kylo Ren back during seven. During oh, four I would, weekends. I would hope so. I would hope so. Yeah. But um, obviously there's also a report that outside of this article that the ending to the movie was changed during production. So. Oh, uh, but that's uh, that, that the ending for yeah. that character is not the same. But um. It does touch on Kylo Ren a little bit, To I like his verbiage. Um, also, um, what uh, Daisy Ridley had to say about it, too. Um, oh, yeah, it was, it, was going, it was going into what about... It was going into about Ray, and... Um, uh, there was a quote from... About their their maybe bond, as this article put, they called it a maybe bond, um, a maybe bond. What the hell? So, is, what the so, hell is that? I don't what know. What the hell is a maybe? <laughs> Apparently, what Kylo Ren and want to have a maybe bond. <laughs> Just writing notes. This, writing this notes article is not doubling down on anything. 
I'm just saying that's a really um, weird. Already. That's a really yeah. weird thing to. All like, I can say that I, as far as my expectations going into this movie, is I. I kind of want a very almost somber ending for Ray and Kylo. I don't don't take my my wording because it's a bad wording. I I think that final duel between the two of them is going to be more in the vein of an Akira Kurosawa final fight <laughs> and less in oh, no. Don't laugh I'm at me. Sorry. No, I'm not laughing at you. I just had a very funny thought. Go ahead. A very well. Do you, Chris? Do you know who I mean by Akira Kurosawa? Yeah, the guy who inspired Jar to make the freaking. Yes, but do you know which movie I'm specifically talking about? No, I don't. Sorry. I'm talking about the Seven Samurai or Seven Ronin. Oh, the rip-off thing that spawned the, 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 I make words actually Seven Samurai was the original film but that's beside the point uh, yeah I, that's what I was trying to say Chris um, that was a film that I've been thinking about adding to the list I already have two uh, the, movies the that Samurai we're going to add that we might add no no know. I'm not saying tonight I'm saying eventually um, okay I'm thinking that this very end fight is going to be a very, very somber, very technical shot uh, scene, I'm thinking. Uh, Very much in the vein of... um... Listen... Listen, What's listen, the listen, term listen, I, listen. I want to use here? I, I want to use a term kind of kind of like a new hope, but more in the vein, I think, of Empire. I think it's going to have a very Empire-y type duel where they're two very no. distinct people battling it out, very single combat-y, not a lot going on, in a very secluded area. And it's going to end very, 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 very quickly. Where w- no. one of them is going to get an upper one of them well, is just going to get an upper hand because they're going to have a lot of talking. It's I'm thinking it's going to have a lot of talking. I, I'm going to say that. To I, stop. Yeah, I, I get what Zach is saying, and I honestly would love it if that was the case, but that would never be the case. No. Both the movies before it ended with Ray and Kylo just going to town on each other. It immense like they're they're banging each other with those lightsabers. It's action. Like get get the keep the audience's attention. Like, I would love it if that moment occurred because guess what? That moment did occur in Last Jedi. That's what Last Jedi is. It's a samurai move for sure. That is a samurai ending. That is a kill bill type thing. Like it's short, it's simple. The one with the sword is angry and the one who isn't is in control. It's it's all there for sure, but yeah. do I think that do I think that that's how that's going to happen between them? I would hope. I hope that it, like that's the end of it, but I don't think that's going to be the whole thing. I think they'll fight each other for sure, and then maybe they'll find themselves secluded somewhere by themselves, and that moment will happen of peace and understanding, like in Kill Bill, where like the bride and Lucy Liu have that moment in the snow where they let each other just sort of like nurse their wounds before they 
go for it. And the well, bride said, I, you ready? I, the, the, the better term I wanted to use is more, um, and Alex, you haven't seen it, but I, I want you to see it so badly, is the episode of Star Wars Rebels where Obi-Wan meets Darth Maul for the first time. It, and not going like, to go like that. Jesus. Zach. I want it to so badly to go like that where he gets up and he's like, I'm here. And we're going to do this. And he's like, so we will. And it just happens fast. <laughs> he just slices oh. him dead. And that's the end of it. And it's one move. And it's beautifully shot. It's perfectly. And you, and every single moment, you know exactly what both characters are thinking. And you know exactly what's going to happen Zach. before it happens. And then you see it. And it's perfect. I disagree. Do I think that I want that to happen? There's too much build. It's way too much build to end that quickly. Well, not that quickly. Obviously, I want them to trade blows a little bit, but I would love less talking, more emotion. Chris, it's like faster, more very. No, it's a very, it's a very samurai thing. Like, really, it's an Akira Kurosawa thing. Like, they, their relationship is so big sense. and important. That 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 moment ends so quickly. That that they've they've gone through their journeys to come to this point, and destiny has brought them here. And they thought it would be the battle that they thought it would be, and instead, it's not. It's very quick, and it's very simple, and it's very peaceful. You know what scene I'm talking about, right, Alex? Yes, I've I've actually seen it before. I know because I've I've watched a lot of reviews on the show. But I would say, you know, what's probably going to happen? The same thing that happens at the end of uh, Revenge of the Sith. Obi-Wan and Anakin go to town on each other. That's what's going to happen. But not as wacky or flying around or goofy. I I know that that's what's probably going to happen. Do you know how much I wanted to go out like a samurai film and just be this perfectly picturesque? If this fight lasts lasts less than five minutes, I'm going to be pissed. Like I said, I want it to end that way. I want that moment to occur. Yeah! at the exactly. end in Kill Bill 1, that they have a massive fight, and then they have a moment where that, like, it's a very quick thing. Like, they lead up, they look at each other. She says, are you ready? Lucy Lou says, yes. They run at each other. It's a couple clings of their swords, and then all of a sudden, Lucy Lou's top of her head is gone. And it's very quick of a bigger fight. Yeah. But it yes. was a bigger fight with the eight, not with Lucy Lou. Lucy Lou waited for her in that moment. No, no, they fought each other for a good little bit. No, like, they fought each other first, and then it ended that way. I'd like to see that in Star Wars. I'd like a moment like... Take a I mean, they, I think, they, I think in the perfect world... No, I, I think in the perfect they, world, they, they, they have that samurai fight that you see in, you know, in Rebels or in Akira Kurosawa movie, and it works, and it's perfect, and the fan base doesn't flip shit and, you know, get angry. Would be um, great, but J.J. Abrams also—that's point B. He's—he's he's never done that, and he would never make that. That's not what he makes. I know. It would be great, though. It would be, yeah. That Zach, it would, it, you in my are opinion, Chris, Chris. I'm right not now. even, Chris. I know you're angry right now about this, but I'm not even kidding you. If Star Wars did that as the end of the Skywalker saga, I would. Call Star Wars probably the greatest movie of all. Time. Star Wars Episode Nine, the greatest movie no. of all time, because it's that mind blowing. If you're gonna do that, I'm with Alex. If you're gonna do that, it better come at the tail end of a bigger fight. That better not be the fight itself. Well, Even I though, know. If, 
Alex as you can see, I think the only way that would be probably is. great. And if it did, it, shut up! You had your time to talk. Let me talk, for God's sake. Rest, Jesus Christ! You're God, Zach. My God. Gosh. Calm Jesus. Down. We're Jeez, just two minutes on my freaking show. God. Just talking about a movie. Now, I I gotta say, Zach. Yeah. Fritz is the example of this. This is why I think it's gonna go that way because. That's how I think the fans would accept it. They want to see the two most skilled people with lightsabers fight in a lightsaber duel, and then you can have that samurai moment. You can have it, but you just got to give them what they want first. That, that's how the Star Wars movies work. It's not bad. It's, it's like Indiana Jones. You got to give a punch and a fight and a kiss before you go on your adventure. It's just how it is. But would it be great? Yes, absolutely. No, it'd be fantastic, but it's just not likely yeah i just very unlikely maybe maybe it's just maybe it's just the very the very 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 pursuit like film historian thing in me that's just like i want to see it end in the classic samurai way with no big fight no nothing just a somber moment but i know that it will never fucking happen it's gonna be ruined as i said I just don't think I don't think it's going to happen because the whole point of their relationship, if if they are going to fight at the end and not something else, um, is that Ray is in control of her emotions and Kylo is not. So my guess is Kylo, just like he did with uh, Luke Skywalker, is going to freak out and yell at him and chase and like run at him and try and kill him uh, or and, or her. Sorry, and that's. That's how he is. If he doesn't change, if he accelerates as a villain and gets to this point, then that's that's how he's going to fight for sure. He's the angry, angry guy. He's not like he's Anakin got, you know, burned pretty badly in half machine, which is why he's a reserved villain. But before then, he was a like a crazy dude. And who does Kylo Ren really love his grandpa? He's a big fan of him. He loves him. So he would take after him even by choice. So that's the character I see if he goes down that path. But if they're saying there's a bigger boss, like a, like the reason that Snoke died also had to do with the fact that the emperor is out there somewhere. I don't know. But like, if there's a bigger boss than Kylo, who's been orchestrating things in a conventional way that I can agree with, then he has the redemption arc. It's that simple. Either he's the villain or he gets a redemption arc. And to be honest, the fact that he didn't kill his mom, might mean something but also he wants to destroy everything and be the spoiled little brat that he is so it's either or either he's aggressively angry or it's the redemption arc it's one or the other so to get that ending through that the odds are even worse yeah okay um but the last paragraph of the article i think sums up what the whole point I recommend everybody go read this um you get four you get four free articles for Vanity Fair before you have to sign up for their stuff but uh, I used one on this article because Star Wars um but I recommend everybody go read this immediately but uh yeah Uh, so yeah if you're a big fan go for it um, 
But here's the last paragraph. Um, so, actually, yeah. Before before that, one more point. Um, it, this one had me thinking uh, um, about the whole about what we're gonna see in this movie in terms of theme. Um, so Kyle, uh, this is the line. Kylo Ren has it all wrong. You can't bring back the past from your own grandfather. And you can't kill the past either. All you can do is make your peace with it and learn from it and move on. Um, this had me thinking about the trilogy in general, which is like, which that whole line was like, wait a minute. Did they, did they actually plan this from the beginning? Because I feel like that last sentence, all you can do is make, make your peace with it and learn from it and move on. Correct me if I'm wrong. Because you're both smarter men than I. Um, By you yelling at me. Yes. Um, because I have to. Because I have to keep you guys accountable. Um, um, surround yourself with smart people. If you're smart, surround yourself with smart people who disagree with you. But. <laughs> so the last line, all you can do is make your peace with it and learn from it and move on. Is that not Ray's arc? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly Razor's arc. Thank you, God, I'm not stupid. Oh, oh my God. She stayed on a planet waiting yep. for people that deep down she knew were never going to come. And then adventure mm-hmm. comes. Destiny comes to her. And yep. eventually she owns up to it. But like, even worse than that, the, this guy looks her in the face and says, I've seen it. I know what's up. You you came from nowhere, and worse, you know it, and you've been lying to yourself, and you need to get past that. And that is certainly the case here. But I also think, um, I don't know, maybe maybe Carrie Fisher might go. Luke's gone. Han is gone. She's lost some people too. So there's some there's some remorse. There's some grief. Oh man, that that just that line blew me away. I'm just like, holy. I don't know why. I should have seen it the whole time. <laughs> um, well, they they pointed um, out in the last movie, like she comes, she comes from nowhere, yet she's the hero. You don't have to be a Skywalker. You can come from anywhere to do it. Now that's for the audience. But how does Ray feel about that? The only moment we really get in there is the mirror scene where she sees the many reflections of herself. She makes the decision of good to fight for good, but we still don't know how she feels about the information that was just given to her. That's what the next movie is going to be about. She's going to have to deal with the fact that she is nobody from nowhere, and now she has to protect everyone somehow. That's um, great. Yeah, I think. So the article goes on to end um, with the following. Abrams is doing that with Star Wars, and meanwhile, the Resistance is going to have to do that too if they really are going to bring the saga to an end. Because we've been here before, watching a band of scrappy rebels take down a techno a techno fascist empire, and it seemed to work fine at the time, but it didn't last. The same goes for the Jedi and their struggle with Smith. To end this story, really end it, they're going to figure out the conditions of a more permanent victory versus the darkness. They're not just imperfect. And the present is a complete disaster, but the future is all before them. This time, finally, they're going to get it right. Oh, I can't wait for this movie. Oh, 
Oh, guys. I can't wait for this movie. Can this movie come out now? Exactly. No. no, Chris. No. <laughs> we have to talk about Catwoman. We have to talk about Catwoman, Chris. No. Right. Uh, Rise of Skywalker. Go see it. <laughs> December Here, let's talk about Catwoman. Catwoman's a shitty movie. You should never watch it. <laughs> okay. So, Catwoman. Where do we even freaking start? <laughs> it's a shitty movie. Like, you should stop block talking about it. We can't end like that, dude. We have to talk about this. Oh, darn. So, well, that movie makes Catwoman. me want to puke on the inside. Um, so, this movie was made in 2004, the year before Batman Begins. Think about that. Yep. It, it, Batman Begins marks the end of the Sam Raimi type superhero movies the only one that would really carry on earnestly would be x-men and everyone else would just fall like flat on their face like green lantern and fantastic four and stuff like that um but that's because x-men had like had a lot of clout and they, they kind of boned it but then they fixed it and that's kind of their that's been their mo boning it and fixing it over and over again but yeah like this movie is so like I said at the beginning, it feels like it, they picked a guy who's supposed to like be their Sam Raimi and has like what they thought a Sam Raimi style was. So they were going for a like live actiony cartoon vibe. They should have pulled it back because oh, it was it was a cartoon in many ways. It was a lot like Daredevil too. Like Daredevil has the like a fight on a playground with like wire work. It looks terrible. Um, Electro was around this time too. They just didn't know what they were doing anymore. They were dropping the ball, and Batman began sort of like smacked everybody off the side of the head and was like, "Hey, you know, these are good stories. You can do something with it." But and and here's the thing: I like the character of Patience in this movie. I actually don't even mind the commitment that Halle Berry has to playing the two different sides of her. One is goofy and silly, but, like, I, I'm with it. That's fine. Uh, and then the other one works more. I think she's a pretty good Catwoman. Her lines suck, but I think she's a good Catwoman. Like, she's just aggressive. It's fun. She's sexy. It's, it's good. I like it. But there are, like, bad moments. But if, she, if any actress is going to do the catnip thing the way she did, like, earnestly, like, she's in it. And I appreciate that. But the editing... The camera work, the cinematography, and the script are all terrible. Everything is terrible. And you're watching these actors just try and, like, do the best they can. Like, Benjamin Bratt isn't bad. He's just kind of like, okay, all right. He's, he knows he's just a charming, good-looking guy who's supposed to walk in and sweep the lead lady off her feet. Like, it was a romantic comedy. Like, he knows that, and he plays his part perfectly. Uh, the, I think Sharon Stone commits as well. I don't think she feels like she's above it. I think she was excited to be a villain, but at the same time, it isn't a very well-written ending for any of them. I mean, I like the fact that she tries oh. to frame Catwoman and her husband is just such a like sex-crazed dolt that he doesn't even see what's going on. That's all fine. But then all of a sudden, she has this magical superpower uh, 
of getting like impenetrable skin and she can't feel any pain. She can't feel anything anymore yet. She's been whining the whole movie about her husband. So I don't know what's up. And then all of a sudden they have this fight. So I, I feel like there are like moments and, and like bits and pieces in there that you could do something with that people found and then committed to. But the rest of it is awful. The rest of it is terrible. Like it, it's, it's unwatchable. For most people, I was so curious, so curious. But the script, the script has terrible decisions too. Like, I don't understand why she goes to her boss, where he says, "This is the thing you gave me. You're in my office, and I'm showing you. Um, it sucks, and you need to do it better." And the wife backs her up, and he's like, "Okay, go. You have till tomorrow night at midnight." Obviously, they work in the same building. Why did she have to mail or curry? Why did she have to curry or why did she have to take those plans anywhere else? Any at all. Where did she have to go? The very next scene after she dies and wakes up and goes to work, he's yelling at her in the same building in her at her desk. If she had just left the plans at her desk, she'd be alive and she'd be fine. But there's no it makes no sense. And they never, they never say anything about it. it that's just, the, that's it. So either there was reshoots or they just didn't even care. But it's, it's, it, I think it's a reshoot, to be honest, because that is such a glaring problem. <laughs> okay. I mean, Let there are some fighting prime and open toe shoes, but that's a big one. That's all. Let's all take turns and take a few shots at this movie because this is this is on the firing squad. Um, so I think just keeps cutting and cutting like every. Chris, I, 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 you're you're breaking up, my guy. So you're saying you were just amazed at how <sighs> at all. Uh, You've been pretty. You've been pretty good most of the time, to be honest. Um, but yeah, we, like it's all like that said, last. That last sentence, I just couldn't quite. This that you movie, this movie, Catwoman, directed yeah. by Pissoff. Uh, it just kept cutting and cutting every half second. I could not look at this movie. I could not look at my television for longer than like thirty seconds. Like I'll give you a headache. I had to. I had to look away at times. I was like, "This isn't even happening." Like you can't. How can anyone edit this bad? It's not film. And listen, the dogma. Do not question my. Do not question my faith in God. Movies like this do. How does this happen? Because people are stupid and they have a lot of money. God. Uh, I I just am. I'm really. A lot of people committed to this, which is the crazy thing. Um, but I think everyone came at this earnestly, which is why I think some of the performances shine through. And there there are moments like when she's crawling on the grate and gonna catch one of the bodyguards. And like get information out of them, that's kind of fun and interesting and very Catwoman like. The the time when she goes to the uh, 
restaurant or, or the nightclub and she dances with the whip and all that stuff. She's great. And it happens fast enough where the guy sitting there, it could be caught off guard, but she lets them live. Oh, like, why? After like the first two times I asked the screen, where are we? Where are we? That's where I gave up. I was just like, it doesn't matter where we are anymore. It's just what it is. Yes. Be on another continent between shots, and it would matter, you know. What What was the What do you What was like the craziest thing in the movie for you? Okay, it's not even from like technical standpoint for me. It's from a narrative standpoint. The moment is, I was texting, like I was messaging my suffering on the group chat, right? Um, yeah. like. I don't think I've ever done that for a movie before. Just how miserable I was. I've never been that miserable messaging you guys while watching a movie. I don't think I've come across as more miserable. Crazy. It was just awful. Um, but the moment I said this movie's insane is the moment where she beats up a bunch of bank and steals a bunch of jewelry, right? So early in the movie, he um, hooks up with um, Benjamin Bratt, and she uh, and he uh, he's like a cop, and we hardly ever see the first half an hour of me. Yeah, seen him many things. He's just about talking to. Um, kids at a school, um, and so she a cup of coffee that says "sorry" on it in a very specific way. Um, they go on basketball, and that's a whole other thing that I'm just like, Ugh. so that then it comes back, then it comes back, and she just and she writes "sorry" on a bag with all the jewelry while they're investigating the crime scene and she, <laughs> she writes it on the exact same way on a plastic bag <laughs> with all the jewelry she stole mind you that it shows you it show you her putting the jewelry back in she's not even wearing gloves so her fingerprints all over that all over that jewelry and <laughs> and so Sorry, in the exact same place she does in the bag, and leaves a leaves a box full of cupcakes. That exactly was not it. It was the part where they're analyzing both the coffee cup and the bag, and they determine these are written by two different people. Therefore, it couldn't be your girlfriend. Yeah, I'm just uh, like, you've got to be kidding me. Well, I I think that's really it's funny insulting. because I think that's really funny because I I think maybe you could give her the logic of I wrote sorry on a thing and I gave it to him. He a probably threw that away, and b um, I'm not just going to go ahead and assume that the cop that saved me just incidentally on the street would also be the same person who would be called 
to this specific crime scene, which leads me to my my biggest one of my biggest problems with the film. He is always at every crime at the exact time every other cop gets there. It's like call the cops, and he and he's already there with the rest of them. Like, what? He's at every. He's the cop of everything. He's a detective of all. What's going on? Every single detective of all. I mean, if they say that he's the Catwoman guy, like that's fine, but that means that he has to deal with robbery because that's would have been the case he started with. But then all of a sudden there's like murder and this and that. And he's like, he's just the guy overseeing the case. But then also in every single situation where they're like, the cops are coming, he immediately shows up right when the other cops are there. It's like, what, what if you were doing something else every time? It's crazy. So yes, in this world where he's at every crime and is the detective of all, which you probably told her, uh, it would be stupid to do that. I mean, you could you could say like that she wrote sorry that way. He remembered it, and then he's in the same precinct and sees it there, and maybe he puts two and two together. That's a possibility, sure. And like, it's really weird that he kept the cup too. Like, she can't anticipate that. But it is weird. So case on that on top of the way he wrote sorry, like. It didn't take her amazing skills at basketball that just came out of nowhere. It didn't take the acrobatics at the Ferris wheel that just malfunctioned out of nowhere. Um, what it took was them in bed at her apartment. And he wakes up in the middle of the night and finds one of the fingernails from her suit. That's it. That's the nail in the coffin for me. Right there. <laughs> That's a, what it took. That's a, what it took. She would never, ever leave one of the most important parts of her outfit. Just anyway, she wouldn't put it, she'd look for it. And also she has the eyes of a cat. She'd be able to find it. Just shine some light in the room and you'd be able to find it. And then the other thing is, when did she become a glass cutter in a night? <laughs> when, 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 was she, when was she able to forge nails of diamonds? When the hell did that happen? How did, how did she how was she able to do that? Can cats do that? Is that part of her power? What the hell's going Where on? Where did here? she learn to fight? Where did she learn to fight? <laughs> on that's very true. Like just because she is acrobatic and can move and stuff and has attitude, well, I mean, that's not necessary. You you can't argue that point because that gets into direct con- conflict with the movie's magic cats in, in history there have been cat women everywhere so the cats are embedding them with the spirit okay. of their ability to fight which um, is ridiculous which is a woman movie but also that's what happened in, in burton's return too that's that for a couple comics that's what that what Catwoman was but also it wasn't okay an, Ugly looking CGI cat in those comics that just sort of burped in her mouth. That was gross. Nor was she over sexualized to this degree. <laughs> I, well, here's the thing I have no problem with her looking sexy in this movie if that was her call. And she helped produce this movie. So, like, there's, like, there's no reason that, like, in every single Marvel movie, the guy takes off his shirt and you see his abs. They get in that shape and they get in those suits because they look that good. That's, that's the point. They get attracted people to do this stuff. And there's nothing wrong with a woman coming out and be like, hey, I'm sexy. I want to do it. Do I think the suit is impractical? Absolutely. But then I also thought that that, that 
the case in Batman uh, Returns. Like Catwoman just has an impractical outfit unless she just straights up just kind of makes it look like a cat. But Halle Berry is sexy. She's always been sexy and she owns that. And I have no problem with her like being, I want to play this sort of like, I want to play Patience as like an attractive woman, but doesn't know what to do with it. And I want to play Catwoman as someone super sexy. And I'm not saying she necessarily pulls it off in this movie, but she commits. So let's go to the scene where she gets fired. Oh, <laughs> so this, I don't know why this irked me so much, but it just felt wrong. And so she kind of dips in and out of her Catwoman persona and her normal persona as Patience. By the way, her her character's name is Patience. Um. She's like an open, like she openly defies this guy and just insults him and is fired right then and there. Then everybody, then he leaves and everybody just loudly claps and cheers for him. Just like, Jesus, he just walked out. He could probably hear you all doing this and yet you're all still here. Don't you all want to keep your jobs? Well, that's the thing. He can't fire them all. <laughs> that's true. That is actually true. That that is the that's the victory. Like she quits and she leaves, but everyone cheers and he, like and like that's the point. In mass, they all reacted at once and then continued when they realized what is he going to do? Fire all of us? Well, she did seem pretty over the top to do so. Um... No, he he warned her and. Uh, Sharon Stone stood up for her. It's not that she was bad. Um, she's mediocre, in my opinion. But it's not that she was bad. Uh, <laughs> it's not that she was bad. It's the artisan. Yes. It's that he just didn't like it. Um, and, that, and the other part was that she actually communicated to him that she had heard what he wanted. And he immediately was like, well, what I, instead of saying what I wanted doesn't look good, he blamed her for it. So at the end of the day, it's a good thing she got fired. But the weird thing, again, in this movie is she never looks for a job and she returns the jewels that she stole in the first place. And even like on top of that, when did she immediately decide I'm going to be a cat burglar? Like when did she decide I'm going to be evil? Because like the point of the end of the movie with her leaving Benjamin Bradley, she's like, you're a cop and I'm in this world of like somewhat villainy because that's what Catwoman is. But she never gives a reason why she wants that. She just is that. And it's really weird. It Here's just sort of happened. You remember the point where she came back? She found a necklace as she was walking down the street after she got fired. She found a necklace on the street. <laughs> so they're talking. So they're talking to their to her friends <laughs> walking down the street. She notices a necklace and then she gets fixated on it. And then <laughs> she's talking to her so friend. Her like- friend just faints out of nowhere. <laughs> and then it cuts to a hospital straight straight to the hospital. <laughs> she's being wheeled out. Talking about how hot her dogger is. <laughs> so here, here's the fact about that. That uh, I have another problem with. So this is a movie about how the cosmetics that are getting out there or about to get out there at the end of the movie are toxic and they hurt people unless they continue to take it. Well, her best friend has gotten 
uh, pre-sample uh, pre of it, and she's been taking it, and it's why she faints. So instead of the movie like capitalizing on that, Catwoman has a stake now. It's a friend. Um, all the friend does, even when she's in the hospital, in fact, she calls from the hospital, from the nurse's quarters and not the room in her bed, to continue to wonder if Halle Berry has had sex. Did you get it on? Are you with that guy? What's that guy? I want details, by the way. I, I, I really hurt inside. And the doctor, never mind me. Are you getting laid, Halle? Like, <laughs> insane. <laughs> I've never seen you do such a great dust, Dusty Rhodes impression. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's so bad for Alex Borstein to just sit there and literally be in the hospital and, and all of her character does is support her, her of like her hot friend now granted she gets the doctor in the end sure but we never see that she just does what she does and then all of a sudden off screen she's with the doctor great that that's a happy ending sure but everything before that just makes me feel incredibly bad for her so like at that point, I for I totally forgot that they about the part where she goes in to deliver the uh, the new design, right? And she figures out that the, that the makeup is bad. I forgot about that. That's how like because like the movie then goes on for another like two what twenty five minutes before, or ten fifty or ten fifty listen. The, movie, the way this movie is edited, by just having a cut every half a second, seemed longer. And it's just... So, I completely forgot, and I thought that faint just came out of nowhere. I'm just like, she just faints. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> this movie just gives up. Um, but, yeah, um... Yeah, that'd be fine. Yeah, I'd be, that would be like I'm that movie. Go on. But um, the real issue that I have throughout the entire movie is just like, and I guess it's with the benefit of hindsight because we have the MCU now, and it's built on a foundation of either from the very worst, forgettable, but at the very best like the very best um this movie i don't think even gives an effort to establish her character if you know what i'm saying so like let's so hear me out through all these movies like okay let's take iron man for for example the first iron man Tony's beef is that bad people are getting hold of weapons that he uses, the weapons that are supposed to, like, as he said, an old John years after, uh, suit of armor around the world. Eventually, eventually, but that's what the first Iron Man was. The first Iron Man was about a man okay. who made weapons. To protect people that ended up getting used against the people he that they were meant to protect. I'm not saying what Iron Man is. No, no, no Chris, you, that's exactly what you said. He said the exact same thing you did, and I I wanted to agree with that. But what I found really interesting is that's what makes it a good character-driven movie. It's about a guy who it, it, it used an amazing technique 
to come back right. and realize that something bad was happening. But then the end of the movie, he sees the real villain and he takes his heart out of his chest and he has to fight him on top of a building. That's the superhero part. That's the comic part. You don't have to add that, but it'd be fun if you did. That's what makes it, you, we expect that. That's fine. I have no problem with that. But everything before it is actually pretty simple. It's exactly what you said. He found himself in a situation where his weapons were getting used by the wrong people. It almost killed him. He got out of it, and now he has a chance to stop it. And he does, and the, it rubs people the wrong way. That's a pretty it, interesting movie. It could have been a movie in and of In this movie, like, what's he trying to do? All you could fall in this it's like what is the this movie I do not know what the exciting incident was but like you know when Peter got his power in the first game of Iran but Inciting incident was open. Okay. Um, there, there was no inciting incident. I think the fainting was supposed to be it, but then it's just so played down, like to a staggering degree. Just how, like, the, the inciting. Down I, I'm sorry, uh, you were breaking up. I thought you were. I thought you had stopped. Uh, go ahead. So like. There's no inciting incident I can recall. The, the, like, the inciting incident is, is when she gets is when she dies and what she finds out. The problem is they keep changing her motivations throughout the movie. She becomes Catwoman there. and then all of a sudden she's like, I, uh, hey kitty, someone killed me. Now I need to go figure out who it was. And then it starts to become about the chemical. And then all of a sudden she, her, she realizes that it's about this and she needs to save everybody. And it kind of jumps around for a bit. It, it becomes less about revenge and more about saving people as a hero thing. But then at the end of the film, she's like, I work in a different world than you. But you save kids from Ferris wheels and you save all of us, including me, from a, a terrible uh, thing that could have like affected everyone. Like. You're a hero. What are you talking about? So, like, that's the thing. It's so unfocused that, like, it's easy to forget why she's doing what she's doing. Like, character mode, like, I'm going to be Catwoman. Like, she's literally, because she's, like, she got, like, um... What she 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 I mean so bad man the I guess the inciting incident is is forgettable because she forgets it you forgot it because she did she she was having so much yeah like literally her friend had like someone had to look at her and be like well what happened and she was like oh. You know, I've never thought about that. Somebody killed me. I'm going to get revenge. And that that adds to the yeah. other element. If she's been with the spirit of the cat a little bit, which I don't know is for sure or not, but 
um, the cat knew she was going to die. The, the cat found her beforehand and tested her because she knew that she was going to die. So did the spirit of the cat say, why well, you're going to die? Now it's time to get revenge. And then we just, you know, keep doing whatever we want to do. Like whose motivation was it? Hers, the cats, this like telling them the future. None of this stuff makes sense. Yeah. It was it it it's focus on one motivation hopping from one scene with the with Benjamin Bratt and then the scene where she's Catwoman and then back and forth and back and forth. It's easy to forget. In turn hurts her character, in turn hurts this entire movie. If this movie even had a chance. I and let's talk about how fake the CGI looked. This CGI did yeah. not age well. Nope. It did not, which is why I'm happy that Sharon Stone and uh, a stunt woman actually did the fall and that the CGI at the end of it looked pretty good. But Catwoman running on a wall? No, that looked awful. Catwoman running at all? Yeah, pretty bad. On building tops and stuff just doesn't look, doesn't hold up. No. Um, just, oh, good God. This has to be the worst film we've ever done. All the Transformers, um, forget Food Fight, forget everything else. This is the worst. Uh, for me, that last Transformers and this are really up there. Um, this to me was a curiosity just as much as it was irritating because when i'm watching a movie just filled with bad choices um that result in bad and bad entertainment i get angry i'll keep going because i may find that interesting i found like all the cuts and all the like crazy angles just really hilarious and also i was committed to i i I was interested in the commitment of the actors the actors were certainly trying Absolutely. But the rest of it was just awful. And I was curious about that. But it also kept getting me angry. Like, why would you do that? Because I'm not interested in the result of that decision. It just it doesn't it just makes me not happy. And that really kind of makes it more of a curiosity than a good bad movie. Like I think Food Fight is a good bad movie. Food Fight to me is one of those movies that's so bad and filled with so many insane decisions that it's a curiosity. The Room is a curiosity. Troll 2 is a curiosity. You are entertained by the bad decisions and as well as kind of like laughing at them. This, I'm not laughing. I'm just angry. Not even that there's potential there. I'm just like, you don't, this, this doesn't look good and it's not pleasant and I really, really wish that this wasn't made. Like, I, I, it's not that I don't get that time back. I, will, I got things out of this experience that I find fairly interesting. The fact that, they, that the studio thought they could find a Sam Raimi really just kind of highlights how special Sam Raimi is. But also at the same time, uh, there, there are just some lazy choices on top of insane choices. And it, is it because he's weird? Is it because that he had a language barrier with the camera guy and he just couldn't get him to explain what he wanted and the camera guy just tried? But then you see the time where, like, Halle Berry's spinning the basketball on her chest and she looks worried. And I'm like, I'm worried for you. Uh, 
what's going on right now? Uh, it, it's more of a curiosity than a good bad. Um, I've watched a movie also this weekend that was the exact same thing. I was like, I see all the pieces here. I see certain people trying. All of the, the script ruined it. It's just, it, it was a movie called Shanghai Surprise. And it was set in China. And there were all these great Asian actors just playing all these side supporting characters to the two white leads. And I just thought, this looks really beautiful set design. All of these Asian people are getting chances to put their name out there and really try despite the stereotypes. And the script is awful. It's just ridiculously bad. And it drags everything down. And it's one bad decision after another. And you either have to have the patience to and the interest to kind of figure out why that happened, like I might, because I finished the movie, or most people are going to turn off in 20 minutes. And this is one of those cases. Like, I would honestly watch this over Fantastic Four, though, the, the latest one. That one is just boring to me. Um, yeah, I just think by the I end of it. I don't know, boring. dude. I don't know. Yeah, dude. I, right think, now, I don't know. There, there's. I can laugh at this at times. That movie isn't funny bad. It's just bad. It's just depressing. And then it insults you at the end. And there's maybe only one or two cool things about it, period. The fact that Dr. Doom blows a bunch of heads up, that's cool, but that's it. Like, they don't become the, fast, the Fantastic Four until like an hour 30 into that movie. And they're very sad that they have these powers in the first place. And the battle sucks. All of it is boring and insulting and bad. It's, it's almost like the people making it really didn't want to make this. In this movie, I feel like people were trying to strive for the vision of a director that didn't know what the hell he was doing, period. Everyone stood behind it and were like, we're, we have the worst leader in the world. Michael Scott is our leader, and we have to stand by him. It, it's just... I. There's so many interesting things in this movie, but not enough for me to ever want to watch it again. No, I never want to see this again. <laughs> it's, just, it's like one. It's like Attack of the Clones for me. I never want to watch the Clones ever again in my life. <laughs> I'll I, be fine. I like making fun of those movies, and I, I, I guess this is a fight between trans, the last Transformers film in me because that movie like physically gave me a headache. And this film had moments where it could have, but then it let off. And I was like, fine, those were funny moments. And I looked back at them again, and then I could go away from them. Not in Transformers. Like, the, the editing in that is crazy. It, it, it just didn't entertain me anymore. Like, the, uh, I, there, there's nothing political about this movie that makes me upset. There's none of the themes in this movie that make me disgusted or, like, rub against or outdated or anything, yeah. I, I mean just she's in a sexy outfit sure whatever and the and her best friend is like re like sidelined as the romantic interest for whatever but uh, outside of that there's no like there's nothing about it that makes me sort of like angry at what it's trying to say it's just a really bad comic book movie just a really bad superhero movie that that's it i like the character she's fine but it's just done poorly I, I like Halle Berry when she's trying to be like sexy and a badass. That's fine, but it's a terrible story, and all of that's fine. Zach, wake up! Uh, what I've been listening, I've, I've been laying out of stock. <laughs> uh, what's your grade? What's your grade, Chris? 
<laughs> Sloppy F minus. I hate this movie. <laughs> Ooh, um, I'm gonna give this uh I think a D. I think this is a D. Oh you give it a passing grade? No. A D is not a passing grade. You know what? I, no, no, you know it is a passing grade from where I come from in my schools because I got some D's. I, I agree, Chris. You know what? Yeah, this is an F. This is a full F. Uh maybe yeah, not even an F plus. This is an F. Like this is a this. There's so many things wrong with this movie. There are so few things that are right. I, there's no potential in it. It's just people. Some people cared, and they were following a cap and a hat. That's it. They just people were chasing a dream that looks stupid, and that sucks in a visual medium. Zach, your thoughts on the movie? Yeah, what are your thoughts and what's your grade? So this movie, this is like my third time watching. Watching this movie in my Why? life more than once. That's so ridiculous. I wa- so I watched it once. <laughs> All right, Chris, 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 Chris. Eleven and so I watched, Sorry, go ahead. So I watched it the first time, pretty close to re- release initially, and that was obviously a mistake. The second time I watched it was a, on a bad movie night uh, when you know we just were watching purposely bad movies, and then this is the third time, and. I'm gonna be honest. I turned this movie off halfway through. <laughs> you made it halfway through. We turned it off. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was like, I'm just getting a headache from how bad this is. I just can't do this. I it had to finish it. It does pose an interesting question. Would I ever watch this at a group party of bad movies? I think I. I think it would be. Uh, I. I think with a group of people that some of these moments would be fun, but do I think it would be worth it in the end? I don't know. I think by the end we'd all be bored. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I would, like this. This movie's just I. I would unspeakably bad. I would not even Chris, give this not a grade. If if I was grading this, I wouldn't give it a grade. I would. I would ask the director to come in and say to them, you don't just fail this this grade. You fail this class outright. You just I, I would ask I would I would genuinely ask, what are you doing in this class? Cause you do not belong here and you are holding back every person who seems to be working reasonably hard to try and make what you're going on go on and it's just not going anywhere this this is what i would love to do i would love to go to him right now wherever he is say everything you just just be like you don't belong in this class you are you are dragging down this class and you need to you need to leave this class right now he's never seen me i'm a stranger i stop him in the street in front of his kids and i say that and then he looks at me and he goes yeah i'm very very sorry for catwoman i'm very sorry I apologize. Like, he knows exactly so, what I'm talking about. So, two things. So, Zach, wait, we'll give you a grade. I, I can't give this a grade. It's that bad. Oh, boy. <laughs> Ungraded. Off the Richter scale. Just throw it in the shredder. You just yeah, throw basically, I'm just going to throw it out, basically. <laughs> throw it out, burn it. <laughs> I, I would um, try, try to get therapy like to forget what I've witnessed. Yeah. 
PTSD. <laughs> I would literally spend money to forget this movie. Let's go with that. <laughs> Uh, I would the only I would the only other time I would ever watch this movie again would be with a woman. Like I want to. I'm serious. It's a woman. It's a woman-led film geared towards a female audience. They wouldn't have a best friend like that, like pushing her romantic relationship. And Benjamin Brant wouldn't be just this charming guy being charming the whole time and speak to her. Uh, and also a cool action guy. Like it's geared towards a female audience. So I would be interested to watch this with someone who loves comics and hasn't seen it and is like a woman and just like you from her perspective. Hey babe. You like the Me Too movement? I got the movie for you. God. This has nothing to do with that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I, I um, so two things so apparently my mom really apparently likes this movie I when I went, so my mom likes this movie and so because comic book movies right <clears throat> she really doesn't care as much as me or uh, dad do um, so I go on Voodoo and the movie's over and I click exit and it shows you the star ratings, right? it. I saw it said my rating five stars. I'm like, excuse me. I changed that immediately to the lowest possible score I could. Did you ask your mom her opinion about the movie? Yes, well, because like a few weeks ago, she was watching it with dad. I was like, you're really watching this right now? I was like, yeah, I kind of like this stuff. I'm like, <sighs> there you go. Right there. That's what happened with Black Panther. It was literally, it was, it was at the moment where she kicks the dude out of the club and it cut like four different times of the same motion of the whip lunging for the dude's neck. How could you watch that? Do you move in slow motion? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. She is is forgiving certain things just so she can see Halle Berry be a badass. And to a certain extent, she very much is that. But that's, that's, that's what happened with Black Panther. Like, on top of it being a good like connection with your audience in the sense that like here's a superhero who is who was raised in a place without uh western culture breaching into them without like they were never um uh, colonized they just they had their freedom and they lived that life and they flourished because of it he's a he is a black man through and through who is a, a great superhero it was for black audiences and black audiences ate it up because why the hell not? And it's the same thing here. Like you put a female superhero in there, you're just going to get people that can put themselves in her shoes and be like, I want to be sexy. I want to crack a whip. I want to steal those diamonds. I want to tell a guy to do, to get out of my way. I'm going to do whatever I want. I want to save the world. And I don't want to get recognition for it. I just want to be my own self and do whatever the hell I want. And that is the idea of Catwoman. And if all you need is a sexy actress that she's already enjoyed 
in that role, playing it to a certain extent, for her to put her shoes, like her mind in, you're done. You've got that audience member. And if she doesn't watch a lot of comic book movies or action movies in general, if she watches them begrudgingly with you and your no, dad. No, she, no, no, she actually like followed the MCU ever since the first Iron Man. So she's really into it. Okay, so Just she's MCU though. Just the MCU. She knows, she knows good action then. She's seen it before. But at the end of the day, there I there aren't any people like her in the MCU until the very, 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 very end. And she probably didn't watch Agent Carter, I'm assuming. Oh, she did. Oh well great. She watched awesome. Agent Carter, Agent. Agents of Shield. Agents of Shield has some great female characters on it, but there isn't any movies like that. Until yeah. Captain Marvel, until the very, very end. Catwoman is one of very few female-led superhero movies, period, including Elektra. Anyone else? Anybody got any off the top of their head? Nope. Marvel. We already mentioned that, though. Captain Marvel, yeah. Uh, Wonder Woman. Uh, Wonder Woman, yeah. Uh, that's pretty much it. They don't have a lot, so they do nope. what they that's why I would like to watch this with a woman and just be like, you watch films differently than me and you have to give in to some of their manipulation as I do with Disney or uh, other comedies. I've just kind of give in to them because they've got me. The, the manipulation works. And I guarantee you that's the case with Hallmark movies. And there's a lot of women who admit it. They're like, yeah, it's not great, but we love it. And that's fine. If we own up to it, then what's wrong with that? And she's owning up to it. If she's willing to say that everything about this is bad, but I like her and her character, then I would completely understand that. If she says it's not the greatest movie in the world, but I like Hallie being sexy, it's her wanting to be that character and living through it. And I have no problem with that. I just wish they got a better movie. Yeah. Much, much, much better movie. Much better um, movie. Catwoman, 2004. Do not watch. Avoid at all costs. Um, yeah, it is worse than nuclear radiation. So, off to the good wheel. So, good wheel, bad wheel, then series. How do you guys feel? Mm, Agreed. Yeah. All right, good wheel. Suggestions. I got two. I actually have one that I don't think is on there, but I think Chris would like it a lot. Mm. Go ahead. The fifth element. Ooh. Oh my god, that's a good one. That's a good one. I I haven't I've seen that in, in ages. To, I've too. been in the mood for wanting to watch uh watch Bruce Willis's sci-fi epic for a while now. It's one of my favorite sci-fi movies of all time. It's really weird. It's my favorite Chris Tucker performance ever because he's just batshit crazy in it. And Friday. it's Friday. <clears throat> Friday. And it's just fun as fuck. <laughs> yes, I agree. And it's and it is a female driven movie, which is great. Uh, I was going to say, the Aviator. I like really? the Aviator. Is that a Spielberg movie? No, it's Kevin. Yeah. I'm thinking of it is Spielberg. Is it Spielberg? It is not. It is not Steven Spielberg. Oh, Wolfgang Peterson. Nope. Oh, who directed the Aviator? I can't think of it. James Cameron. No, not James Cameron. Scorsese. Oh, Scorsese. Of course, I could have. Uh, 
Um, okay. okay, that makes more sense. All right. Um, is that is that a is that a Leo movie? It is a it Leo. Is. Movie. Uh, oh, you know, uh, I know, think I may have seen what? a little bit of it. Have you ever seen Gangs? Gangs in, Gangs of New York. Yes. Yeah. What was that? Oh, I have not seen Gangs of New My York. My choice is Gangs of New York. Okay, Gangs of New York. I have two suggestions. They both have backstory. Um, the first one less so. Uh, it was a few nights ago. I was walking out of my car. I was, and I, for some reason, I was thinking of just random stuff I've seen in movies. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. Guy shooting gun out of his hand. Upgrade. Upgrade. I want to do upgrade. <laughs> Remember upgrade, you guys? Yes, I do. I like upgrade. Oh, man. It was weird. Man, I want to do upgrade. I might just I might just end up watching it on my own time, but I really want to add it to the wheel. I want to talk about it. He shoot, he's just a gun that's made out of his hand. It's the gun, like He's wearing bullets out of his hand. He's floating it out of his elbow. <laughs> oh, man, that looks so good. Why did, like why did I? Why did, how did I miss that? Man. That's a good movie. Um, second one, the second one I wanted to do, I will admit it's another animated one, and we have plenty of those on the on the thing here. Um, but I want to add one more, if could, if it comes down to it. Um, so I've been thinking a lot about um, Kung Fu Panda 2. Yeah, stay with me. Stay with me. Um, I've been thinking a lot about Kung Fu Panda 2 and how I honestly am coming to the realization that I think it's my personal favorite animated movie just by how it, how well it speaks to me. And I've figured it out, like, you know what would be a good uh, movie is the movie that beat it at the Oscars, Rango. Now, don't even talk about because I because mostly out of it for any other reason. I want to know besides the fact that the Oscars don't like sequels and the animation is probably like not better. But besides all of that, and don't even go into it. Don't even tell me. I don't want to know for myself. Like. What, what makes what makes Rango better? What uh, makes Rango Rango better? Don't tell me! 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 Don't talk about it. If we land on it, we're gonna find out. It's a rhetorical question, Alex. I, I know. I just want to understand something. You're saying your choice is okay. Rango, and that's how you want to find out. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. So either Rango or up. It's a. So I'm presenting two: Rango and Upgrade. And you can only pick one. You're saying you can only uh, uh, do the four wheel thing. Yeah, I'm working on it. Dig it. Went too far. <clears throat> and there's an ad. Stand by, everybody. So wait, wait, wait. So uh, we're putting two. If did you suggest one or two, Alex? I suggested one. So I think it's only fair that because Chris suggested two, that the aviator and the fifth element get an additional slot. But Fine. My, choice, my, my choice was Gangs of New York. Oh, your second choice was Gangs of New York? 
I, I, I don't care whether I get two slots or not. I, my top choice is Gangs, and I would actually like to take Aviator out of it so that it, Gangs has a better chance. Okay, so Alex wants two slots for Gangs. Got it. Aviator. If you are for sure giving me two slots, then yeah, you can put the Aviator there. Then if I have no choice and you have to give me two slots, then then gangs and aviators fine. My fingers would be crossed for gangs. Do you want both on there? Do you want yeah. one, do you want one of these on there? Or do you want them both on there? I want them both on there rather than just gangs. Twice, okay. I mean. Fine. I want oh. I want fifth element twice. Freaking no, you don't have no. You can't have fifth think, element twice. Yeah, I think you should have another movie. Hmm. Hmm. Hey, Chris, how many Tarantino movies have you seen? Uh, three. three. Yeah, I forgot about Kill Bill. What are the three that you've seen? Kill Bill, uh, Kill Bill, Bill Volume One, Reservoir Dogs, and Pulp Fiction. Okay. <laughs> because I'm a really he's gonna. Glorious bastards. God damn it, Chris. How'd you fucking know that? Because I knew that too. You were very obvious. Because my friends were talking about it earlier today. I knew because you weren't. I actually was going to suggest that or Django Unchained. And I was leaning towards Inglorious Bastards right as you were saying it. And there's a reason why I want to suggest this Tarantino movie. Is because Once Upon a Time in Hollywood's been on my my thing, and it got a lot of great publicity at Kansas here, and it might win top prize there, and I think that's really awesome. Um, it did not. Uh, it did. Pomodoro went to um, Parasite. That disappoints me, uh, but that's understandable. That's and I love that director, so I'm excited to see it. Regardless of who won, I'm very excited to see both. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Falls to the wall. Inglorious Bastards. I think that's a very interesting choice. I love Inglorious Bastards. Well, right now it's well, Alex. You you know why I would speak to Inglorious Bastards more than anything? Are are you are are you Jewish? You might even say I'm the bear Jew. I'm just kidding. You are not an Eli Roth. You are not an Eli Roth type. I am not I'm not an Eli Roth hey. bashing people. Anyone, anyone, anyone can bat. beat anyone with a baseball bat, though. <laughs> Anybody can. Anybody can do that. No, but just it's remember, just... I expect 10 Nazi scalps from all y'all. <laughs> it's a crazy movie. That movie's great. I love that movie. This is for the spot that takes the next pick in the good wheel. Yeah. Glorious Bastard, Fifth Element, Games of New York, Aviator, Rondo, and Upgrade. Right. Really? Call is a pretty bloody movie, in all honesty. So is Gang. They're all like... Oh, Brian Johnson, I love you, but you gotta stop. Hey, the fifth element. <laughs> is that All actually what it is? 
Yeah, The Fifth Element. Hell yeah. One we've all seen. Nice. It'll be fun. I like that movie. I haven't seen the movie in years. Legit. Maybe more than 10 years. Um, okay, so we'll go to the Goodwill and we'll beat off the list here. So what we got right now. How? No, never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Scratch that. Looper, Clueless, The Incredibles, Surf's Up, Treasure Planet, Tin Tin, Bird Cranary, Heat, The First Independence Day, uh, Dread, and Paprika. Let's do this. All right. You guys ready? Yeah. I'm ready to have this my for the next. Uh, I can't see it because I'm nervous. Oh, oh, baby. We can finally scratch one of the animated ones off. The next movie on the Marshall Movie Podcast we'll be talking about is Tintin. It's Tintin? It's Tintin. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> this one, this movie's like fucking crazy. Not to mention the fact that this is like a movie that has like a really interesting directorial story to go with it, too. Yeah, I like Tintin. Somebody's nuts. Uh, I, I, I don't have anything to say about that right now. Um, hopefully, I will when I watch it. So, it's so long. <laughs> adaptation of the old comic series, uh, The Adventures of 1010. I did watch the old cartoon they aired on Nickelodeon. And the old cartoon, yeah. Um, Here we go. Uh, this is the first animated movie we've done in a while, isn't it? Yeah. Long time. Gosh, how long has it the been? The irony about this movie is that I think there's supposedly two more movies still left to come at some point. Um, doubt it. Maybe Suppos- not, not from Spielberg. Yeah, I think from the other director, um, what is it? Uh, it's uh, Spielberg and um, and Jackson. I think Jackson wants to do the other ones. That's fine. I mean, if he wants to do it, sure. But I doubt Spielberg would. No, Spielberg's not touching the next one. But the cool thing is that this movie is written by Anthony Horowitz, uh, which uh, he became later known for Lost, which is great. Um, he... Uh, Spielberg has always loved the idea of this movie, and he wants to help out with the second one, but Jackson's really going to be leading the next two. Also, this is one of my favorite Jamie Bell uh, uh, performances, so yeah. Oh, man, Jamie Bell was Tintin. Oh, my God. And Andy Serkis was was, uh, Captain Haddock. I was reminded of that just recently. Daniel Craig is the villain, which is cool. And Nick George Frost needs- and Simon Pegg are in it. Yeah, good voice cast. And it was produced by Edgar Wright. Oh, wow. 
written, I'm sorry, actually... it was written by Edgar Wright. So literally directed by Steven Spielberg, produced by Spielberg and Jackson and Kathleen Kennedy, and written by Edgar Wright. This movie's like destined for glory, right? No. <laughs> no, but it should have been. That's the irony. You don't believe that. The last movie we did was Norm of the North. Ooh, that makes sense. I blocked that out of my mind. <laughs> that was a very dramatic event for you, no, but Alex. Jokes aside, right like, literally the entire like top brass of this movie is like powerhouse directors and producers and writers. <sighs> And yet, there was a movie, and not a lot of people remember it. So we will bring it back to the light. Yeah. So yeah, there you go, everybody. Um, the Avengers of Ten Ten is next. We will see how it ends up being. So <laughs> goodbye, Catwoman, burning hell. Um, oh. And uh, so <laughs> yeah, agreed. Um, it, it hurt to yeah. hear, but it felt good to agree with. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Tintin, next time. Say goodbye, guys. Bye. Bye.